again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. My name is Eric Thomas. I am the host of the show. And today we are actually recording this episode out of our new office located in Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, we were over in Virginia Beach near Town Center, uh, but we recently made the move over to Chesapeake. Uh, we got some new offices built out. And honestly, if you're watching this live on Facebook, you'll notice my office is a little a little dry right now. Uh, we're waiting on some stuff to show up, but eventually we're going to have a cool podcast booth all set up in here and it's going to be really neat and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but Anyways, today in this episode, we are joined by Dave Schmidt from Frederick Air. Dave, how are you doing? I'm well, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. So, Dave, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about your business and uh, just anything that we need to know about Frederick Air? Sure. So, uh, Frederick Air was started and founded by my father, Steve Schmidt. Um, he's a name a lot of people probably know. He's been chairman of ACCA. Uh, very involved in the industry for a long time. Back in 1992, he was a salesman in another company. He quit his job on the way home. He bought a truck and started a company. And uh, I'll tell you, we're about 43 people now. Um, we're actually next year, we're going to celebrate our 30th anniversary. Um, and no matter what hit us, um, the transition from 22 to 410, the uh, financial crisis of 2008, a, we recently went through a pandemic. Um, but no matter what it is, uh, with him steering the ship, we're still here 30 years later. Yeah, that's awesome. Out of curiosity, are you all attending the, uh, ACCA fall meetings down in new Orleans? Um, I do not think we're traveling yet. Um, okay. I'm wonderfully, I, I appreciate all the scientists that got behind the vaccinations and I'm vaccinated, but I just, I don't, I don't think we're, we're traveling yet, but possibly we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, it depends on how the summer goes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I th- yeah, it's in November. The reason I ask is because uh, Rival Digital will be there. We are, uh, if you're listening to this and you plan on, uh, yeah, so if you're listening and you plan on being there, just come visit us. We'll be at booth number 20 right next to Train. Uh, We're looking forward to it because it's it's been a while since we've had, you know, in-person events and being able to uh, meet with people again. You know, they have all the online webinars and online conferences, and those were a lot easier. I felt like in the year 2020, um, I attended more conferences than I ever have in my life because they were all online, but it just didn't feel the same. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're really looking forward well, to being there. I'll tell you, not just from an industry perspective, but also just from a customer perspective, you know, it's just such a different, we took a lot of things for granted for a long time. Um, yeah. The ability to walk into somebody's house and the idea of, you know, when, uh, when you're a firefighter, or you're an EMT or a police officer, there's probably some part of that initiation where they say, hey, by the way, in a natural disaster, like, guess what? You're up. But yeah. I don't really remember any part of my uh, training or any training I've been a part of where we said to HVAC techs, hey, by the way, during a pandemic, you still have to go into people's houses. <laughs> yeah. And it, people are going to be different and strange about it. And it's going to be it's going to be hard. So um, it is it's different. Now, a year of not being able to touch somebody's hand. And we just had some people, some officials from the city into office uh, earlier today. And it's, are we, are we shaking hands? Is that okay? (laughs) We're doing this thing again. Yeah. So um, as far as like the technicians responsibilities in the household, what about that was different for you all? I know everybody's had different, you know, different protocols and different uh, trainings and, and safety measures. What were some of the things that you all implemented during the pandemic? 
Well, I'll tell you, probably a big part of our success was fairly quickly we said we, we didn't think of this as some kind of temporary thing. I think a lot of people got caught in that trap where they said, well, we can just operate as we are, adjust a couple of things, and we'll get through it. Mm-hmm. And we'll get through it ended up being six months, eight months, 13 months, right? Yeah. So we pretty quickly said, no, this is the new normal. We're going to operate as if this is how our business operates. We uh, built the ability for our customer service reps to work out of their homes. We mm-hmm. got PPE out to all of the um, service techs, anybody that was showing up in the house with gloves and booties and masks and um any, any kind of sanitizing of their gear, you know, we gave them sanitizing wipes so that um, they could wipe down their own stuff. We created the ability for customers to pay um, through apps as opposed to handing us, um, touching our devices. We don't have to touch their devices, all those things. So we had to kind of think of that right away. We took, we took one week um, where we ran only emergency calls, um, that kind of the week of the 16th there last March. And five days later, we uh, essentially reopened and we've been open ever since following those strict protocols. And, and we're still even, you know, our technicians, even, even if they're vaccinated, no matter what, we're still calling our customers and asking them, hey, what's going on in their homes? Um, it's been really a part of our, um, frankly, our branding. I mean, we, we've always tried to say, look, we're the experts. We try to say that we have good and we're going to do the right thing in your home. And for a period of time, the right thing was trying to keep people safe. So not only our team, because we care very much, but our customers, we don't want to create a scenario, even if, and I know that there is no liability. I know that they passed pretty quickly legislation that would say, we're not going to be harmed if we harm a customer, but that's not enough for us. I I don't, I can live myself if we caused harm. So, yeah. So, Overall, during the year 2020, did you all see um, an increase in business? No, certainly, um, certainly some diminished demand. Um, I'd say the biggest thing is that people that I would have previously doing this long enough, I can kind of tell what somebody's going to say. I, I previously they just would have gotten an estimate for a new system, wanted the quote for the repair. That's been the biggest difference. So our service department actually has done wonderfully. We're hitting our marks. We're above where we thought we would be. Um, It's been the installation department. It's been those very big $10,000, $15,000 installs that I think consumer confidence hasn't quite gotten there. So for a long time, nobody was buying anything big. Mm -hmm. Fairly quickly, as soon as it got to June and July, I think think last July here in Maryland, we had um, 24, 25 days uh, plus 90. So like we told our teams, look, when it gets hot, people are going to need new air conditioners. They're going to, they're going to. So it was certainly there, but it was not the year that we were expecting. Um, if you look at our industry, there's a ton of pent up demand from all the wacky and weird stuff that's been happening in the last couple of years. And those systems, I mean, we have a ton of neighborhoods that were put in 10, 12 years ago that we were, now's the time last year would have been when they went, but because of the pandemic, as I said, people are just not as confident about what's going to happen a month from now, a week from now. Um, so they were kind of hesitant to make those larger dollar decisions. And a lot of people said, Oh, well, I'm going to repair. Yeah. So from an operational standpoint, what's like, what do you think is the most important aspect of being able to pivot like that? Man, that is an interesting question. So one, one advantage we have, I was, a, I was a Marine for a while, 
And so just built into the training that comes with that is the idea of plan for all of the really bad things. Right. And I think yeah. one of my favorite quotes is no, uh, no plan survives contact with the enemy. So same thing, meaning whatever plan you have, you should have a second plan. You should have a third plan. You should have a fourth plan. Um, and I think the biggest, the biggest lesson we learned was how many things are out of our control. You know, we kind of expected to say, I have a capacitor, but that's not necessarily true now. Yeah. It might be a week before I can get a very common and easily known capacitor. So we, um, again, back in March, as soon as this hit, um, we just, I, I said, look, we, I, this is going to be a problem six months from now, eight months from now. So we did everything we could to identify the sources of our material, of our equipment, and then try to get a second or third relationship in place ahead of time. So that would be my biggest suggestion is to say, look, yeah, you get your equipment from a guy. Great. Wonderful. Where would you get equipment if that team can't get you equipment? And think about that ahead of time. So you're not standing in line with everyone else who's trying to make that decision um, when something goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I've actually just recently interviewed someone from York and I was thinking about this question during that interview as well as like, you know, like you said, there's so many dealers out there right now who are beginning to start selling equipment for multiple different manufacturers. Um, and so the entire landscape of the whole like dealer manufacturer relationship has completely changed now where people yeah. who were, you know, gung ho with one brand are now also selling three different ones. Well, uh, this probably doesn't make me any, I love our distributor, so I don't want to, uh, I don't want to offend them, but it doesn't really make me any friends. I've been pretty openly discussing the whole distribution model is, is probably archaic. Um, as soon as possible that the manufacturers can deliver equipment directly to a customer, they're going to do that. We're, even the dealers are going to get cut out of this. As soon as you have the ability to go online and uh, size your home, you know, do some kind of load calculation online, I mean, this information exists. It's not that difficult. Um, so as soon as that exists, they're going to say, well, why would I sell my piece of equipment for $1,000 to a distributor who sells it to a dealer for $1,200 who sells it to a customer for $14? Why wouldn't yeah. I just sell it directly to the customer for $1,200? Yeah. And so the entire – and so that's – I, I, it doesn't work. And as evidence by the last, uh, <laughs> three months, four months, anybody yeah. is struggling for equipment. And it's because this, um, the, the distributors are not, it's an inefficient way of getting it from here to there. It's this kind of extra step in between. So mm -hmm. I, I understand 10, 15, 20 years ago, the infrastructure didn't exist for direct sales from manufacturers to the homeowner, but the internet changed that. Oh yeah. Internet changed a lot of stuff, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. So the other thing that's going to, you know, the other thing that is going to happen is the skill level that's necessary to, um, install and diagnose and maintain these systems is going to be, um, the skill level of understanding an app inside of an iPad. And 10, 15, 20 years from now, you're not going to have, you know, the, the, the analogy I like to use is when I bought my first house in 2009, I had a guy come in and uh, he, he put the cable in, right? So this was a cable technician. This was a guy who spent his entire life crawling around houses, got 
cables attached to his hip, all sorts of tools. Oh, yeah. 2016, my in the house I moved from there to, 2016, the guy that came in uh, was a 22-year-old kid with a polo shirt and a phone. That's it. He placed the box, he plugged it in, and everything happened both uh, either automatically or with some kind of uh, technician back, you know, some, some expert yeah. sitting in a, in, a, in a call center somewhere. Yeah. Um, so that's the same thing that will happen with us. And so I think, you know, going back to your point about what's the operationally, what should we be thinking about? We should be thinking about how do we do things differently? Um, yes. So many people say, when home performance came around, this was a big thing. Said, "Look, we're air conditioning guys. Why, why are we, uh, why are we dealing with home performance?" In our market, we loved it. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. You shouldn't. But um, in general, the reality is, is you can't. You're not going to beat it. Once, once the homeowners are educated to the point where they want that or they understand that, you have to, you have to be able to pivot. Yeah. So that would be the biggest lesson: is there is nothing. And I, and I'll, I'll tell you, this is part of the orientation here at Frederick Air. Um, two things. One, um, everyone's job description includes them being, um, having ingenuity, identify what's wrong, fix it. I don't care who you are, top or bottom. Um, you, whether it's about marketing, whether it's about operations, whether it's about the way we communicate with customers, doesn't matter. Whoever you are, the best idea is going to win. Um, and the second thing is, is change is not something that we accept. Change is not something that we're okay with. Change is not something that we get over. Change is what we do. No one's doing their job today is going to do the same job a month from now. It's not going to happen. So we don't, so don't, that's not, don't put yourself in a position where you think, oh, okay, I've, I've solved it. Yeah. Because that's not what we do here. We change. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's how the best of the best survive in the long term. Like there's, yeah, so, there's so many companies out there. Um, that used to be, you know, household names that are no longer like Sears. <laughs> Their model yeah. never changed. And now that's like, oh yeah, I remember Sears. Like at one point it was like Sears was, was the, was the show. <laughs> and now it's like, yeah. and now it's nothing. The, the strongest story to that in my brain is Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix. Yeah, they did. And they turned it down. That it, and that's because look, our model works. That's not true. Your model works right now, but your model yeah. doesn't work a year from now. It doesn't work two years from now. Oh yeah, and their their model worked particularly well when they were able to charge late fees. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, certainly. I feel like I was watching a documentary lately about that, and they pretty much said like the silver bullet was when they decided no more late fees because uh, that was like one of their top revenue generators. Yeah. But again, it wasn't them that decided that, right? It was the consumer. The consumer said, well, I'm not going to pay them anymore, so I'm not going to buy your product because I might have to pay it. And as soon as that switch happened, so we can't anticipate everything. We don't know what's coming in front of us, but we can certainly uh, anticipate that there is going to be change. That's right. It's like the only constant is change around here. <laughs> yeah. And so, my, as I said, if, if you're looking for a suggestion, the suggestion is, is that people embed that in their teams. They embed that in the way they go to business is we are a heating air conditioning company. Great. What does that mean? It does not mean what, it, what I do today is what I'm going to do tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome advice. So uh, over the past 30 years, I know you were saying at the beginning, like, 
you know, through thick and thin, you all have just continued to chug along and just continue to dominate. Um, in regards to like marketing and advertising and all of that stuff, what are some things in your local market in particular that work really well for you all? Yeah, so we um, we were Bryant Factor Authorized Deal early on. We were Bryant Deal of the Year a couple of years ago. Um, we attached ourselves to a third-party brand um, when we were not a household name. Wonderfully now, 30 years later, in our community, you know, people know who we are, and that's fantastic. But yeah. it wasn't always like that. And so we, we, found, we found that fi- attaching yourself to that third party, someone else who has an established brand, Again, whether it's your distributor or your manufacturer, whoever it would be, and say, look, this person is holding us to these standards, so we are going to match up to those standards. So you could sell that to your customers and communicate to them. Um, The other thing, I mean, uh, frankly, the main secret to our success is we do what we say we're going to do. Years ago, my father and I were at a, uh, actually, it might have been an ACCA conference down in Florida. Um, And one of the speakers uh, said, you know, decisions, um, when your values are deep, decisions are easy. And that is a really true statement for us because it's not, you know, when somebody shows up and says, hey, you know, your install team backed their truck into my brick wall. Us paying for it and taking care of it is not a hard decision. I mean, it sucks. It's a, it's a crappy decision. Like it sucks to have to pay the money, but the decision to do it is easy. And no one here. And the other thing I'd say is internally, because we then communicate this to our customers is people don't get in trouble for mistakes. So repeated mistakes is either a training issue or an attitude issue. And listen, if you're not, if you're making mistakes because you don't care, you're not going to be here. But if you make a mistake, you're not going to get in trouble. And that's allowed us to say that when we go into somebody's home, that customer can be 100% certain that we're going to do what we say we're going to do. And if we don't, then we're going to make it right. And they know that because my team doesn't have to be afraid. They're not scared of hiding anything. They're not trying to go, oh, man, did that take off wrong? But maybe you know, if I put the insulation back, they're not going to notice. No, yeah. they're prepped and ready to say, hey, by the way, to their install manager, look, man, this happened. Because yeah. they know they're not going to – What's it's it's more important that the customer knows and we fix it. Um, so we we talk about that. You know, we we certainly share our values a lot. Um, this is certainly I, I would say a change in our marketing now so than 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, in the way that we communicate our brand to our customers is we talk about our values. We say, look, having a relationship with us, which is what it is, you're gonna be, especially if you buy a system from us, you're gonna be 10 years, we're going to be doing maintenance in your house. So if you're going to create a relationship with us, let's tell you what we are and who we are and how we're going to treat you. Um, So that's been a big, important part of our marketing. Um, The other side is we were early on, all in on digital marketing. Um, We, you know, I'll tell you one of the best decisions my father ever made was naming the company Frederick Air. in 1992, when he had no idea what Google was, he had no idea the SEO capability of yeah. that name, right? So we are just built in to show up on the first page. So great. That's wonderful. We had a leg up. And we did not uh, put our, took our foot off the pedal. We do about 7% of gross in marketing, no matter what. So we were a company that did, you know, a couple hundred thousand that first year in 1992. We're a company that wonderfully does way more than that now. And I'll tell you, we're still do 7% of gross. 
Um, and over time, we've shifted dramatically from our more traditional media sources over to targeted digital. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the fun, you know, the joke, you know, one of the one of the funny things is, you know, my father always says, "Man, you know, I feel like this phone's listening to me." And I, I go somewhere, and like two days later, I'm getting this ad, and all they go, "Look, man, you can't complain about that because you do it." Yeah, we are doing all of those things. I said, you're the big brother that everybody's worried about because we're doing retargeting. We're we're yeah. doing targeted um, demographics, and we are um, whatever is you know we were quick on iPads. We we you know we love sending pictures of the tech ahead of time. Um, and I'll give you know I'll give the credit to my father for this that he has always said one of the most important things in your business and in your marketing and in your customer service is answering the question that they don't know to ask, but they're asking it. They're already in, but they don't know. So for example, are you going to be safe in your home when this random stranger shows up? So when we send a picture ahead of time digitally to them via email or text, and there's a picture of the technician wearing the uniform that he's going to wear, wearing the name badge that he's going to have that has the same picture on it as the one that we're sending out, that answers the question, am I going to be safe? Yeah. Thinking and identifying those ahead of time has been a huge key to our success. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's really cool that that the name Frederick Air has just been able to carry on that SEO value. Because, like, I mean, that's honestly Frederick Air. If you think about that, like, the amount of different search queries that could be made that you all already have a leg up on everybody to show up for just because of your name is almost endless. Any, yeah. any form of that is, I mean, that's, that's really awesome. And I, it's pretty cool because, you know, you hear a lot of stories and we joke about this all the time back in the nineties when everyone was in the yellow pages, uh, or like yeah. <laughs> advertising. A1, the phone book. Yeah. They're all air conditioning. A1, AAA drain cleaners. Like, and now all these people are driving around. They're still like a one plumbing, a one, you know, this, that, exactly. and the other. <laughs> And it's well, like, this, that's what I'm saying is this was 1992, right? He had, yeah. he could not have anticipated that. And so I'm yeah. very grateful um, that he did obviously. But yeah. even then when it comes to our digital marketing, it wasn't, it wasn't a given, right? I mean, it's easier, obviously, as I said, as we discussed, a yeah. tremendous leg up, but it still requires making sure that our website is optimized, right? It still mm-hmm. makes sure that we are showing up in all the places our customers are looking for us um, and providing content that is relatable to the ever-changing Google algorithms, to the ever-changing way that the internet gets spidered. And and we have to pay attention. And the biggest thing is we can't just live inside of our, and I know you're HVAC marketing, so I'm not saying don't listen to people that are HVAC marketing, but my point is, is they, you cannot just assume that our industry has it right. So here's, you know, this is, I hate giving the secret out because Hopefully nobody in our market's listening, but we, you know, one of the things that we stole from a different industry is um, when you go to your dentist's office, they don't let you leave until you schedule the next time that you're coming. So we do the same thing. So when we go out for our maintenance is we schedule your next maintenance six months ahead and our technicians are, they do not leave that house. Now we're, we don't have to say they don't have to pick a date with the customer. The customer may not be home, but they yeah. still put that date six months ahead. And we've educated our customers that this is this ongoing thing. And we could not have anticipated the pandemic. But I'll tell you that during the pandemic, there was a giant difference between calling people and saying, hey, 
do you mind if we come to your home to do your maintenance? And we that were calling them and saying, hey, you have an appointment next Tuesday. Or is it still okay if we come? It's almost the same question, but the mentality and the psychology behind that for those customers was entirely different. Yeah. And we were able to stay above board and, 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 and remain successful during that period of time because we are treating our customers like a different industry does, not the way our industry does. Yeah. That's really smart to get them booked for that six month date. Cause then you can predict, you know, the availability, the revenue, pretty much everything. That's awesome. Yeah. And predict that they're going to be there and be willing yeah. to take it. Right. And think about all of the time and effort that we spend trying to get the phone to ring mm-hmm. and or trying to get hold of that customer. We don't have to do that because we were yeah. standing in front of them when we made that decision. So that's just one microcosm of it, of a lot of things that we've said. Again, I, 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 don't, I don't go to other heating and air conditioning companies and say, well, what are you doing to get customers necessarily? I go to a restaurant and I go, well, how does this restaurant, and there's 70 other restaurants in our little downtown, how, why are people in this one? And a lot of times it's the quality of the food, right? So, okay, so learn that lesson. And that means that the experience that our customers are having and I will say that that's probably the most important piece is it's not customer service. It's customer experience. Mm-hmm. They're going to feel something. They're going to hear something. They're going to see something. All of that. We talk about with our techs, you walk out, you don't, you don't get out of your truck and a bunch of trash falls out. You walk in and don't walk through their lawn. You don't spit on their flowers. All these things that mm-hmm. you would are not heating and air conditioning things. It's how do you cultivate that experience with the customer? And as I said, I'll, I'll steal a good idea from any industry, from any business whatsoever. You know, we know, there is no reason to reinvent the wheel. People are being, people have faced that decision and survived it. And so yeah. we I learned the lesson from them. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's surprising, like, how small that may seem to, like, walk on the, the sidewalk, you know, up to the house rather than through the lawn and to keep your truck clean and to keep your uniform clean. That just seems like such a small thing, but you would be surprised like how many people don't do that. And yeah. it, it really does make all the difference. For anybody interested, it's called the halo or horn effect. Um, it's the idea of when you first, that first impression is either going to put a halo or a horn on top of somebody's head. And I, I'm that crazy person that if I go to a customer's house, I get out of my truck and I wave at the house. 95% of the time, it's probably... Yeah. And I probably look ridiculous doing it. But the point is, is if that person is sitting there looking out their window, that indicates I'm the person they're expecting. And that entire interaction when I show up at the door, the other thing I do, I knock on a door, I take a couple of steps back because when they open that door, I don't want to be affronted to them. I want to be in their space. And so yeah. we try to permeate everything we're doing or digital media, all of it with the idea of, who I, cause I, even the words you use, I know a lot of words in the heating air conditioning industry that don't make sense outside of our industry. So we yeah. got to stop calling them things like that. We got to stop saying things that are proprietary to our industry. Yeah. We have to think about, well, what does that person hear when I say this? Um, and that is, uh, yeah, I, you, you, you have to think about that experience and then yeah. as I said, not just, in person, but that digital experience, what is, when they're looking at your Instagram, is it just a company trying to get your attention? Because people are going to, are going to feel that out. 
or is it a genuine attempt to share information, to provide value to that customer, whether it's in the, you know, hey, man, we're going to make a little video that says, here's how you uh, replace your filter. Yeah. Again, most people know it or don't care. But some person might get some value out of that. And I truly believe that if they get some value out of that, then the next time they go and say, oh, I want, I need heating and air conditioning, they're going to remember the person that did something to their benefit. Yeah. Well, and that, yeah. And that's like one of the biggest mistakes that I see marketers make all the time is they just ask without any type of value proposition or any type of value add to the end consumer. They're just saying, mm-hmm. hey, you know, do this, do that sign up for this, give me your email address, but like, what's in it for the, what's in it for the user? What's in it for the homeowner? What's in it for me? And if you can answer that question before you put it on the internet, you got such a a better chance of succeeding. Yeah, exactly that, that there, there, it's not about getting people's money into your pocket. It's about creating a relationship with them. And then that relationship is very valuable over the next 10, 20 years. And in fact, even if they move, it's valuable because when somebody leaves, well, I got to earn the new customer. But if they leave and the protection plan that they had carries over to that new customer and we and they call us and say, hey, by the way, we're leaving. And we go, OK, here's a little packet for you to leave on your on your uh, kitchen table so that the next person that shows up, they sold them to us. So we have to think about those things. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it's time for a new segment that we're doing. Uh, we don't have a fancy intro for it yet. It's in the works, uh, but we're trying out this new uh, trivia section where I'm going to ask you some HVAC-related trivia and test your uh, your knowledge. Are you ready? Okay. Sure. Are you, are you up for the challenge? <laughs> yeah, I guess. All right. I asked this question earlier. This was the, this was the easier one, so I'm going to start with this one again. In 1902, this person invented the first air conditioning unit uh i gotta i gotta tell you i cannot remember his first name but it was definitely mr carrier yep yeah willis carrier willis yeah yeah, yeah. and, and As I, said, I, was, I was counting a warehouse all day today so yeah right. the um the crazy thing about that about that guy that we were talking about earlier i was reading about it was um he invented it in 1902 he graduated from cornell university in 1901 so this guy is 26 years old and is inventing air conditioning. That's just, that's I believe that he also, um, and you can fact check me on this, but I believe that he also put air conditioning into, uh, the president's limousine was the first, one of the first vehicles that had air conditioning. So you can fact check me on that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the same guy. Hmm. Yeah. I see on this, on this sheet that he founded the carrier engineering corporation in 1915. I'll have to look up that one. That'll be a question for our next guest. And if you're, listen, if you're listening to this, then you need to start studying up because you never know when you're going to get put on the spot for trivia. All right. Yeah. So here's a good one. I was not warned. Okay. Which type of business was the first to install air conditioning in an attempt to bring in more customers? Uh, interesting. Plumbing? It's, uh, I'll give you a hint. It's more of like a family outing entertainment type of thing. Oh, oh yeah, movie theaters. Yeah, that's it, movie theaters. So that's 100%. how the that's how the uh, summer blockbuster came about. Was they were trying to get people outside of the heat uh, to come inside and enjoy the nice cool air. 
It's almost right. no fair because we actually have a, a place that we, it's called the Weinberg Center in Frederick. It was, used to be called the Travoli Theater. It was one of the first ever that had an actual screen. It, I mean, it's a, it's a, a theater in more of a traditional sense of you would have stage shows and stuff like that. And that was the first air conditioning we had in our town. So really, all right. I might've, cool. I might've been prepped for that question. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, that one. Yeah. That one's pretty tough. I'm looking through, I've got this long list. <laughs> okay. This is a heating question. Changing it up a little bit, even though it's summertime, we're not really worried about heat, but here we go. Natural gas was originally used for this, not for heat. Hmm. I'm going to say fuel for some kind of machine or vehicle, but I'm not really sure what it would be specifically. Because you're probably looking for something more specific than powering yeah. a machine. Um, Another trade does goes. this. Another trade does this inside of a home. Oh, uh, maybe fireplaces? Mm, no. Close. It's for I'll light. Yeah. Oh, for light. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah, the lamps. Yeah. All right. Well, sure. you did a good job on that. Two for three. Hey, that's uh, that's pretty good. We'll take it. Awesome. Well, Dave, this has been this has been an awesome episode. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your Friday to to join me, especially with everything that's going on. Um, what's a good way for our listeners to connect with you and connect with Frederick Air? Yeah, sure. So FrederickAir.com. Obviously, we're in all the socials. Um, again, Frederick Air, pretty easy. A I R without it. Um, and, um, if you reach out to the website, I mean, info at frederickair.com, you can email us if you have questions. Um, you know, I, I'll say that between, um, my father and I, Steve Schmidt, uh, you know, we, he, he, he's been in this for a long time and he really cares and wants to help. So if there are people that are either starting out or you've hit one of those kind of those walls, right? So like the $500,000 wall or the million dollar wall, $2 million wall. Um, and you just need somebody to go, look, man, I've been there. I've gotten through it. Or, hey, lady, you're going to be fine. Um, please reach out. We'd love to help. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, we'll link uh, your website and everything in the show notes. So if you're listening Thank to you. this, um, you can go ahead and hit the link and we'll give you a little more SEO value <laughs> to your website. We love linkbacks, man. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. Well, Dave, you have a great weekend and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Too. Thanks.